0: Thanks for joining us at Connected Britain and part two of our in depth tech startup special. If you missed part one, do go back and check it out. In this episode, we see how connectivity is making an impact on house prices in the UK and speak to the man behind Connected Britain. But first, tech and sustainability has been a hot topic and one that is growing in traction. We spoke to founder and director Jessica Ocampos from Cam Nexus. Nice to meet you, Jessica. Nice
1: to meet you too.
0: Thanks. So, Jessica, could you tell us a little bit more about the company? Well,
1: CamNexus is a company that is based in Cambridge, where we founded as a PhD student at the University of Cambridge. And this company is enabling businesses in the sectors of food, water and energy to achieve their sustainability targets with real-time monitoring and alert for any anomaly in the system. And what inspired you to set up CamNexus? The two co-founders have been working in the industry before. And we have experienced firsthand the frustration when you want to ab- adopt new technologies, particularly if the core of your business is not related to the digital technology. And this is actually considering the global challenges that we face. This is important to consider how we can make that more industries are taking part with a sustainability agenda that can introduce these new technologies to actually reduce
0: the impact on the environment. And you mentioned sustainability there. That's a huge issue at the moment, especially with COP26 coming up. How do you see companies like yours helping to tackle some of the most important climate change problems coming up in the future? Well,
1: Nexus is committed with the UN SDGs. This is part of our vision and mission. We have technology that is using low power so we can use less energy, but still being able to efficiently detect any anomaly, any overuse of any critical resource and that is one way that we are doing it. But don't forget that technology may not be the answer. That is why in Camp Nexus we embraced an innovation with an inclusiveness that can make possible to understand the end user needs. And then we can work together in a approach more sustainable and accessible to that potential user.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned end user needs there. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and what you've heard from your customers and what the trends are coming up in the future?
1: Yeah, I can give you an example. I think that will help you to understand. So when we're talking of IoT or Internet of Things solutions as the one that we do, we're basically putting together sensors and sensors that they take data, very small data from the environment. And that data have to be transmitted to a cloud, for example. But it's not just there. You need to do something with that. Take decisions. And those decisions, we can do it through an algorithm, some intelligence behind it. And when the information is there, we can predict or anticipate any issue. In the operation, for example. So the user will be able, actually not just the user, but the system, the, per- the people around it will be able to take any actions. In the case of, for example, if a water utility, if you have... A leakage in the supply of water, I don't know if you know, but 30%, 34% actually of the water, the drinkable water, is lost every day. That's a lot of water, yes. So if you could include more technology that is able to monitor this leakage in the system, because normally the water is lost because of bursts in the pipelines. Well, in some cases, in some regions, also because there are some uh, wrong readings in the smart metering system, or the reading meters, actually. So if we're able to detect those leaks, we can save very, very valuable resources for the planet. What do you do with that data? We send that data, but not just, you know, in the, you, you can use a dashboard that can provide you with a huge amount of information, like a very complex system. But many times, the users are in the field driving a a truck or something, and they don't have the accessible terminal or portable device in order to access to that information. So with an artificial intelligence type of chatbot, you can communicate directly to the system and he will be alerting you of any anomaly in a very user-friendly approach, intuitive approach. So human center for us is important at the moment of how we can make that
0: data available to the person in the field. That's amazing and I can't believe that stat. 34% of drinkable water is lost every day. So how long until we can see technologies like IoT um, becoming mainstream in societies? Well, that's a very good question. Actually, one of the things that
1: we realized is that we are still, and actually COVID-19 showed us how we still have such gaps in different aspects. So while we are getting vaccinated here, many other countries don't even have the first vaccine. So this bridge actually during the pandemic was also enlarged in the technology aspect. So technology can also create even more separations, more inequality. We need to work together in a collaborative approach. We are a small company. And that's why we are here too, partnering with a large company. We believe the only way to make this possible is to make a collaboration. If we are able to work with small companies, universities, public-private organizations, we can create not just an introduction of new technology, but all the ingredients in the local innovation ecosystem. What I mean with that is, imagine that the biological ecosystems, where you have microorganisms, animals, and so on. The same happened with innovation. So you need to have all the ingredients happening in order to evolve. And that's what we need to. If we just start with technology, we need to take care that these are, for example, demonstrations, pilots, that early adopters can see the value and then engage. But we need to have other ingredients as well. The support of the government, regulation,
0: and education. So we need to educate people of what's the value about these new technologies. And Jessica, you mentioned there the importance of collaboration and partnerships. And CamNexus is just one of the companies using the Cambridge Wireless 5G Testbed. How has that experience been for you? Yes, it's been a really wonderful experience.
1: 2020 and 2021 has been quite busy. And one of the reasons also was this work together with Cambridge Wireless. As a small company, we have a strong focus on the research and development, but also in how we are validating the need with potential customers, clients. This has to be done simultaneously. With the working Cambridge Wireless, we were able to introduce a new feature into our products. I think I mentioned you about this IoT network we are doing. So we have some sensors, there's a, ha- a hardware part, the sensors and the gateway of communication, but also the software part, which is where we try to make it more accessible, the data for a user, all the AI chatbot, etc. So when we're introducing with the Cambridge Wireless Accelerator, is what is the potential of use 5G as a communication technology for adding certain functionalities to the end user? So we were able to introduce this new feature in our devices and providing, for example, the low latency that you need in some critical assets because you cannot wait maybe, I don't know, minutes or even seconds in some cases. So with 5G and if you have a massive scale, you remember you asked how we can make IoT a reality? We have a lot of devices. We're talking of millions of devices. You have a high throughput. You need a lot of data to be transported.
0: And that can be done also with a 5G network. So it certainly sounds like it's been a very busy uh, year for you with rapid growth. What can we expect from CamNexus in the next few years? Well, we have
1: been working remotely since the inception of CamNexus. So COVID-19 actually was not much of a problem for us, which is a good thing. So we have an international team, people based in different countries. We have been very successful in doing some pilots in developing countries, like in in South America, in Africa, in Uganda in particular. And with the 5G accelerator, we are working closer to our home in Cambridge. So what we expect is really to demonstrate the world that these technologies that we're using, they don't have any differentiation between if you are in the developed or developing country So if we really want to tackle all the challenges, we need to work as one world. So no more differentiations. And if we're talking of low power technologies integrating with, for example, 5G technologies, which is really disruptive, we can do it because we can see the benefit overall. So one of the key things we're doing is taking those demonstrations that we've done in Brazil and in Chile, also here in the UK, but adding the local component and that means that working more with water utilities, we already saw what's the loss. In the UK, it's around 20% the loss, it's not so much. In Latin America, it's 34. So regions have more than others, but still there's a lot to do here. So in the water, in the forestry sector, particularly also with uh, a lot of work
0: in the agriculture sector. Great, sounds like huge things to come from Cambridge to the rest of the world. Thank you very much for your time, Jessica. Thank you, thank you very much from sustainability to another hot topic house prices we caught up with michael philput from omnia who gave us a sneak peek on how much connectivity is really impacting house prices nice to meet you michael nice to meet you too could you tell us a little bit bit more about your role at Omnia and the type of research that you do
2: Yes, I'm the research director for Service Provider Consumer. So my team looks after all the consumer topics around Service Provider, which include broadband, connected home, smart home, 5G, etc.
0: Wonderful. And you've just come out of the keynote session on day two of Connected Britain, which was focusing on the move to gigabit society and the impacts of the property sector. Could you talk to us a little bit more about that panel discussion? <laughs>
2: Obviously, moving to a gigabit society is is important for the UK in terms of leveling up and also remaining competitive on a global scale. Uh, We're quite way behind in terms of our fibre development on on Omdia's fibre development index. UK is about 55th place in the world. And we're kind of slipping backwards in terms of that ranking. So it's really important that we remain competitive, that we continue to invest in that fibre and, and bring those gigabit type connections, not just into cities, but to everyone in the UK.
0: That's really interesting, you mentioned there about the UK and the, and the kind of global benchmarking that you guys do. What other countries are leading in this space to delivering um, a gigabit future?
2: Yeah, so you've got leading countries um, such as Singapore, China, which is quite quickly coming up the ranking with the development that they've put in, but you've also got South Korea, you've got a few European countries that are starting to knock on the door, such as um, Spain and Sweden uh, in particular, but they say the UK is quite way behind. In fact even behind some of the what we would class as being emerging broadband countries these days.
0: There's been a lot of talk about gigabit society. What do you think the impacts of a gigabit society and a gigabit future looks like for the man on the street?
2: What we do know is that broadband basically is the fundamental building block, really, of, of society these days. One thing that COVID-19 has taught us is just how important not just being connected is, but the quality of, of that connection. You know, we, we do everything now from from our work, from education to entertainment, is all done through broadband. And the businesses that have been successful are the ones that were highly digitised even before the pandemic. The other businesses have had to really adapt their business. And the ones that succeed are the ones that will be able to do that the quickest. So certainly from a employment and a business point of view, broadband is, is now critical. In terms of the, man on the, the general man on the street, though, it will also mean being able to do things like for work from home, so I think it just kind of levels up society. So instead of everyone having to move into cities to get employment, uh, to get the best uh, connectivity, get the best uh, places to live, they can start to have flexibility and choose where to live. So in terms of our survey with um, estate agents, they said that in terms of government investment, if, if they saw a gigabit connection into their houses, that would significantly boost the kind of demand for houses in their areas. So in terms of leveling up, this could be one of the biggest investments that the government could actually make
0: and that kind of leveling up agenda i guess you're looking at it mostly from a societal perspective but also you're saying from a property price perspective as well in terms of home ownership and your study what kind of trends are you finding about the importance of connectivity when buying a home
2: yeah so it's really ramped up in terms of importance on the, on the panel today we heard a couple of years ago if you'd have asked, the quality of the broadband would have been about seventh in terms of importance of of features that buyers are looking for. In our latest study, it's now third. So it's just behind the size of the property and the number of rooms, the kind of the basic things. Then it's the quality of that broadband connection that's the the next important feature. So it's really come up and it's really a a kind of a driver of COVID-19 that's done that. So consumers now recognize how important having a broadband connection is to their lives.
0: And you mentioned, so connectivity is now the third most important features for homeowners looking to buy new properties. What is it that, about connectivity that's driving this trend?
2: It's not just being connected, it's about the quality of that connection it's not just about speed either it's things like uh, low latency low jitter it enables to just do more so it enables us to do applications such as zoom for example with our our family enables us to do uh, instead of having to travel to Dubai in a couple of weeks I can now make that decision not to travel and and to just dial in and do that work from home so it it also has a a green agenda because it means we're not traveling around so much it means that we're not having to jump on planes to do business meetings anymore so it kind of really starts to change how we live but it's the quality of that connection that's important because we won't be able to do half of this if that quality uh, was poor.
0: You mentioned the quality of connection is one of the most important features. What can we expect for new builds nowadays?
2: Certainly broadband is a must and it has to be worked from day one. Buyers don't want to expect to buy a new build and and then have to wait three months for their their broadband to be connected so it it has to be in there day one. Majority would want at least 300 megabits per second, which is about three times the current national average, so they're willing to pay more for those high uh, broadband connections. About 20% also want a gigabit type connection, so you can see that the marketing around gigabit is starting to take place. So so what's essential for new builds is that those developers offer these high-speed but it's also important that they're offered choice, because what consumers don't want then is to be tied into just a single provider. So they want that Connection from day one but then they do want to have choice and that's something that as a nation and also the government will need to look into as we go forward.
0: Amazing and you've kind of given us a sneak peek into the research that you've been doing, what else can we expect to see as the research launches in a few weeks time?
2: Yeah, you see a lot of data about just how estate agents now look at broadband and also that what they're seeing is not just a boost in demand um, in areas where they have high speed broadband, but also that properties are worth more. So the same household on the same street that has a high-quality broadband connection will be, in some cases, £5,000 more valuable than at the same house on the street that doesn't have that same connection.
0: That sounds super interesting, Michael. Thank you so much for giving us that kind of sneak peek. It'll be great to invite you back for a deeper chat once we have more of that data to talk about. We'll be speaking with Michael shortly to get a deeper dive on how connectivity is shaping house prices, so keep an eye out for that one. We've heard from some of the most amazing startups and seeing how technology is pushing the boundaries of what we think is possible. Finally, we spoke with Rob Chambers, who's the MD of Total Telecom and the man behind Connected Britain to understand why this is such an important industry event and how he and his team has overcome all the challenges to host such a great expo this year. So Rob, how's it been preparing for a physical event after 18 months of lockdown?
3: It's been absolutely exhausting. It's been very exciting. We've had the largest event that we've ever had for Connected Britain, more than the third larger than the event that we had in 2019 which was the last time we were here physically we're in a a new hall as well we're in a bigger space the old small space is actually now our uh, plenary theatre which probably gives an idea of the growth but the overriding sense has been how pleased people are to be back meeting face to face people have just loved getting back to meeting their colleagues meeting their customers and their peers and doing business in that way
0: I couldn't agree more. I got the sense as soon as I walked through the doors of how busy it is here on the ground. It certainly feels like there's a huge appetite to bring live events back. What has been different for you compared to previous years in terms of the exhibitors and the footfall on the ground?
3: I think it's the energy. And again, maybe that's partly the same comment that people were keen to get back. But it's also a a reflection of where the, the industry's going and gone in the last two years. The relationships between the companies are developing. The relationships between the large established operators and the alt have has moved on a gear. It's a lot more collaborative, I think, than before. There's just a real buzz about it. There's a real buzz about this industry and there's real optimism about this industry. Everyone knows, and I think COVID has reinforced this to people, everyone knows how important that connectivity is in people's lives. Uh, whether it be at home, whether it be at work, whether it be working from home, and people are ready to take it on the next stage.
0: Absolutely. And you mentioned there, there's been a huge buzz, and that's been really emphasised by some of the keynote speakers we've had. Which one stood out for you?
3: Oh, wow. There's so many, aren't there? Who stood out to me? Lutz stood out to me from uh, Virgin Media 02. Uh, It's incredible to see him there. I was also delighted that we were managing to get the new CEO of uh, Vodafone UK, I think I'm right in saying it's probably his first outing in that role, which really does reflect, I I think, how important this business has come to people. But as always, the regular keynote speakers are still fantastic, Um, Clive Selly, Greg Mesh. They are amazing speakers. They're infused about what they do and it's always a a pleasure to see them.
0: Absolutely, huge names uh, and huge telecoms representation here on the ground. What kind of trends have you seen them talk about and what's new for this year?
3: The trends are probably much the same as they've been. They're still talking about fibre. They're still talking about rollout of fibre. They're obviously talking a lot about 5G, fixed wireless, and other forms of connectivity. New trends, though, um, the obvious one perhaps is the, the closing keynote today. There was a lot more about sustainability, which has been mentioned by other people here as well. And probably the other one which I've heard from the show floor rather than necessarily from the theatres, is about skill shortages. Now, we've talked about skill shortages here for many years. There's been a shortage of people to actually build out networks for years. But that is perhaps as big a problem post-COVID for the telecoms industry as it is for the hospitality sector. You know, a lot of the people who can build these networks aren't in the UK at the moment and perhaps are having a harder time coming back to the UK. So there's, there's definitely some challenges there.
0: Absolutely, and I've heard the same about sustainability and the skill shortage coming up this year. If we look ahead into Connected Britain in the next year, the year after, what do you think will be the big things to come?
3: I guess what we're really talking about is everything being connected. Uh, And I'm not talking about the internet of things, I'm talking about the way that connectivity is more and more dominant in people's lives. We're talking about the kind of things we talk about here in Connected Society, in the connected utilities tracks. We are actually talking about almost every trend that uh, is affecting our lives now. Even if you think about things as diverse as electric vehicles, we're talking about networks that have to be connected to a communications network, not just to a power network. So connectivity is is front and centre. People are talking about it as a utility. It is truly a utility now and it is crucial.
0: And just to wrap up, What's been your personal highlights from Connected Britain this year?
3: My personal highlights as always it's the people. The people in this industry are fantastic and just seeing people network, seeing the award winners here in person picking up their trophies and people standing around um, last night having a drink spilling outside the venue into the bars out in uh, Islington Upper Street is amazing and everyone's so pleased to see it.
0: It is great to have live events back and I don't think this will be the last one. So thanks for your time, Rob. Thank you. And so that brings us to a wrap. Thank you for joining us on part two of this Connected Britain special. We hope you enjoyed the tour of the future technologies today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Tech Podcast and we look forward to sharing more news, insights and tech specials with you soon.